Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Claire and Nicole here from Go Behind the Ballot. This is our mini education episode. It is our companion piece to our conversation with Dr. Audrey Young, who is, as you might recall, a State Board of Education member, and she was a former school board trustee in a smaller district in Texas, smaller rural area. We read this article that recently came out from the Texas Tribune. The article was titled, Texas Republicans are trying to sell school choice measures, but rural conservatives aren't buying. This was written by Brian Lopez, and we thought this would be a good article to touch on um, because I feel like it connects to a lot of the conversations we've been having recently about protecting public education and how there has been this push by the governor for vouchers. So it was a very good article. I recommend you read it. It's it's a pretty quick read, just a couple pages. Um, But Nicole, I guess I'll start with you. Was there anything that you took away from this article or some things that kind of bubbled to the top from, from reading it? Well, I will say that I do highly recommend reading it. It is, uh, I think it's a really good maybe not necessarily a starting place, but let me let me play with that idea for understanding the different um, kind of stakes that we're looking at when it comes to considering vouchers, considering private schools, considering charter schools, considering public schools, just like how all these pieces are vying for for a piece of the pie, frankly. Yeah, for like these finite dollars. Yes, and it really is a good kind of overview of the different stakeholders in the conversation and maybe what could be i think challenging is if if i think for me let me let me i'm i'm finding my words here claire i'm finding my thoughts <laughs> but if i hadn't had the conversations that we've had leading up to reading this article i think that i might be a little like oh god i don't what what are, what are, I don't, what's the difference between vouchers and what's charter schools? And I think it might be a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a great article for sure. And, and I think it touches on the things that, that we've been talking about in that matter. But I do kind of wonder once again, the level kind of of base knowledge you have to have of the stakeholders to right. have it make sense. Yeah. I see you're saying, yeah, like you need some context to understand these different uh, institutions vying for public dollars, whether it is local ISDs or vouchers or charter schools. It is hard to ground it when you don't really know what the differences are, which we're doing in our podcast. So hopefully you'll tune in for our whole education series. Um, yeah, unexpected plug moment. But yeah, yeah. yes, I mean, I, I really do think that it will help to break down those individual, again, stakeholders. Yes. Well, I was going to say the article starts with this conversation that the uh, writer Brian Lopez has with Texas school superintendent Adrian Johnson. 
He is a superintendent for a more rural district, it sounds like. And he said that what's on the minds of superintendents right now, not surprisingly, is school safety, especially in light of what happened in Uvalde, not that not that long ago. I think that was back in May. And instead, the conversation that we're hearing from upper leadership is school choice, which is a strange situation for him because it feels sort of put upon is the impression I get because they're like, wait a minute. Um, why is that the priority? Why is that the thing that you're they're leading with when we really need to make sure our kids are safe? And right. yet you can also tell what he is alluding to is that this is always the priority. It's always the top conversation that the legislature is having. And so it, it it's you can feel a relentlessness, I feel like, kind of underneath what what the article or what the superintendent is talking about is that that's always top of the mind, even when we have such an obvious I'm going to argue, um, higher priority, which would be school safety. Yes. Yes. He, yeah, exactly. It seems confusing that, that, that school choice, it it, it almost seems like this zombie, like (laughs) priority that's like back from the dead. And they're like, uh, is now not the time to talk about school safety? Like we just had this school shooting and yet it reemerges over and over and over. And it's unfortunate that it feels like so many forces have to say, no, 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 we need to focus on these other things um, because it takes the air out of the room, you know? And I think as we've talked to other folks that'll, other conversations that'll come up later in the podcast, you'll start to hear this exasperation of, we need to get back to the basics and school, now is not the time to talk about school choice. And yet it's what we talk about over and over. Right. When we're talking about agendas, right? This is what what we're talking about, right? That it sometimes feels as if the agenda that is being set doesn't match what most people would consider the most important items to be considering. And yeah. Yeah, something that I starred and <laughs> like underlined was uh, this is in this is a quote from Adrian Johnson, the superintendent. He said, "Why not make it imperative to support the local school district?" And I'm like, "Yes, this is the bedrock of so many communities, particularly in rural areas." And I think this is why you find rural conservatives partnering with um, more progressive members of the legislature because. They both identify the school as the heartbeat of the community, and they need to fortify that and make sure that they have the support that they need. And they recognize that these voucher programs chip away at that strong institution, which hurts the community. It has these ripple effects. Yes. And and I think I was also struck as I was reading it by Dr. Telly being so great at emphasizing unintended consequences and really trying to make those clear. And that is what kept recurring as I was reading the article, unintended consequences, unintended consequences that um, like it sounds really benign to say like, well, why doesn't the money just follow the student and people can choose whatever they want, whether that is their local private school or a local charter school or their public elementary school or, you know, their local ISD. Mm-hmm. And so that sounds that sounds really benign and easy. 
But then you start to dig in a little more and you discover the unintended consequences, right? We talked about the stranded costs, but what about the money that that pulls away from that local elementary who provides bus services, who provides food services for kids? And then suddenly they're that money went to a charter school that actually doesn't provide those services. And what does that mean for employment in that district? Like there's a lot to consider and to gloss over. And I think just like, I keep using the word benign, but have this benign idea of like, oh, well, this is just about choice. Mm -hmm. Sure. That sounds really lovely. I mean, we want choices. We want the ability to make decisions that we feel like are best for us. And, but it is our responsibility to understand the consequences of those decisions. Yeah. Right. Like we can't stop there. And I I will just quickly share, Dr. Telly is the superintendent of Del Valley ISD, and she's going to be a guest of ours in a future episode um, where, yes, as Nicole's saying, she talks a lot about these unintended consequences that happen as a result of decisions being made at the legislature that these school districts have to implement. Um, When you were talking about choice, the thing that I thought about, which the article references, is a lot of parents already do have choice. If they're not happy with the school district that their child is in, they can transfer out. So like Austin ISD, a lot of of their schools have the ability to transfer in or to go to a different school if maybe it's not your neighborhood school. So there already is choice built into the system, and yet they seem like that's not enough. Well, okay, I'm having another bing, 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 bing moment. Um, Okay, Patty Everett discussion. Do you remember when she talked about, you know, there's a whole public relations machine, for instance, in the charter school world? Well, I think there's also like we're talking about everybody getting to represent themselves fully so that people understand the choices that they're being presented with and I'm going to say that charter schools have a leg up, right? They have these PR machines that can make things look slick and shiny. Elementary schools don't have that so that you don't even realize, people maybe don't even realize the choice that they're making and the impact that it has because local ISDs aren't even able, because they don't have a PR budget like that, to fully... Uh, share with the public the services that they provide because so many of those things we 100% just take for granted. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also I'll share it. Patty Everett, just so y'all know, is a guest who we invited on that we'll speak in a later episode who is an expert on all things charter. She has done the research to understand some of their impacts that we're feeling in public education here in Texas. And she's so great at filing freedom of information requests, I think that's what they're called, and aggregating data and looking at the numbers and coming up with these conclusions based on real research. So we were so grateful for Patty's time. And man, does she know a lot about this stuff. Um, Claire, I have to give a shout out to you. Uh, thank you for looking at the timeline of when episodes release and giving people the context. I love it. You're taking care of me. Sorry, everybody. I am referencing conversations that haven't dropped as episodes yet, mm-hmm. um, but we've had the conversations. And so I just, my brain is filled oh, yes. with all of this amazing information from these women. Oh, yes. And we hope that you feel this similar sense of excitement and information bubbling once you listen to all of these episodes. Um, another thing that I starred in this article was 
Oh, my goodness. I think this was Representative Gary Van Deever. He was talking about community, especially in these rural areas, and how, like I was saying earlier, schools are this hub of community. And he says this sense of community is what makes Texas great. And I completely disagree. I completely agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. I think that you find so many folks beyond just parents congregating in schools. You know, it's grandparents, it's community members. Like when we toured um, Smith Elementary School, that school specifically designed a community room for members to come into. And when things like voucher programs come in and charter schools that start to pull kids out of this one location, you start to slowly chip away and erode at that sense of community. And we lose something more than just our local ISD. We lose that connection with one another. So again, the unintended consequences that are happening when we, when we're like, choice, choice is the answer, but we have to step back and say, at what cost? What are we maybe losing? And we could be losing our relationships with our communities, especially smaller communities that really depend on that. Yes. Right. And, and also, um, and maybe this is going to come up next with the things that you start. But when we talk about choices, that's really different. I, mean, I know we're already pointing this out, but that's really different when you're talking about a rural. That's such a hard word to say. <laughs> rural community versus an urban community. Right. Again, like choices. Oh, sure. Choose your local charter. Choose your local ISD. Choose your local private and let the money follow kids. OK, but if you're in the middle of West Texas, you don't have those options, right? There isn't a local private school. There isn't a local charter school. So what are what are we actually talking about for communities like that? Right. And, and so, what happens when the charter schools do come into these rural areas? I think that's the fear and concern a lot of these folks have because it also makes me think about our conversations around recapture. Like the idea behind recapture was that more wealthy districts, property wealthy districts, pay back a percentage of their uh, tax allotment to the state, and then the state is supposed to give it to uh, more rural districts because they need help paying for just the cost of running a school. But if a charter comes in or vouchers come in and kids are going away, are they going to get more recaptured dollars? Like, yeah, what's going to happen? It seems like it's going to really complicate things if we open this up. Well, it really does. Oh, okay, and, and what, the other thing that we haven't even touched on yet is, and charter schools and private schools have the ability to reject kids, right? They don't have to take every single mm -hmm. kiddo. They That's get the to article. decide. As it is in the article, right? They get to decide who attends. Mm -hmm. And your local ISD educates all children. So yet another really frightening unintended consequence Yes. What happens? Like really and truly, let's think about a, an air quote difficult kid who, if it's a small town, the charter school has come in and they no longer have a, a, a functioning local ISD elementary school. The charter school doesn't want to take them. Really and truly, what what are what happens? What happens then? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a scary situation where kids could start falling through the cracks, maybe being homeschooled and it falls on parents. And then where does it stop? That's my concern is, yeah, 
unintended consequences. Um, something it's I our wanted theme to theme of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The phrase of the day. I wanted to circle back to towards the end of the article. The author interviews Bill Tarleton, and he's the executive director of the Texas Rural Education Association. And he says he's worried that private schools, so if like voucher programs come into effect and parents can take their money and go put it towards the private school, that they don't have the same transparency and accountability as local ISDs. They don't have elected school boards, and they can pick and choose whom they accept. However, as we learned from Patty, this is already happening with charter schools. And I was kind of surprised he didn't make this point, because charter schools do not have elected school boards. They have appointed school boards. And as you were saying, Nicole, they have the ability to dismiss students if they have behavioral issues. Um, So in my mind, I was like, Bill, this is already happening. Like, you know what? He might not know. Maybe he does. Yeah. Because as we know, there is a lot of confusion and misinformation and missing information mm-hmm. um, about charter schools. He might not actually know. Yes. We know because we talked to Patty Everett, but mm-hmm. not everybody's gotten an opportunity to hear from Patty Everett. So. Right. In a quote, he says, Bill Tarleton is that public schools are the only ones that have to educate all students. But we should say local ISDs, really, because charters are public schools. We have to now really slice and dice that because that's important. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just sum up the end of the article. The author goes back to Gary Van Dever, the state representative, and Gary says... Representative Van Dever, (laughs) as conservatives, we expect it from our public schools. We need to know that we're getting bang for our buck for every educational dollar wherever it's spent. And I was like, right, which is why this voucher system, even the charter school system a little bit, feels like the wrong turnabout because how do you hold them accountable? It seems so much harder and and you have dollars going left and right, but once they're, they seem very untraceable once they're given to parents and they're allowed to choose and put them wherever they want. How do we make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? There is a playing field that has to be leveled before any of this can be uh, considered, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Because right now, yeah, the standards are very different for how each of those groups are held accountable. Well, the truth is, right, that local ISDs have high levels of accountability and charter schools and well, and private schools have none, right? That's kind of the point of them. And charter yeah. schools don't, from what we can tell, have any serious levels of accountability. So these are completely, this is apples to oranges to cherries, what we're talking about. And so how can we put money into things that don't have the same requirements and accountability expectations. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, I agree. Um, yeah. Well, I would love it. If oh, wait. Our... You know what oh, else we have to talk yes. about? Yes. Yes. What What did we miss? Well, we just need to throw in privilege and the, and the just – it's there, right? In every one of these conversations that we're talking about, who would be able to take advantage of programs like this? And I yeah. think that it is 
such a misrepresentation to act as if this equally benefits all Mm -hmm. when it doesn't. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Nicole. And it took my brain a minute to catch up. But it makes me think about what Patty Everett shared with us about charter schools and how a lot of them don't provide transportation. So that sort of self-selects who can attend that school. Because if you can't drive, if you don't have a car, if you can't drive your child to school, you're not going to apply for that school. And the same can happen in this situation. If it's a private school and you get your voucher, but it doesn't cover all of tuition, well, families who have the remainder, no big deal. Well, if you don't have that money... What do you do? So right. yeah, thank you for touching on that. And then what, you know, and so what if then people say, but then you could get financial aid, you could qualify for a scholarship. Really? <laughs> like, I, I, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's, this is not an equal playing field. That's just, mm-hmm. I think that's the bottom line. And I don't think we can have an honest debate about these choices unless we make the playing field equal. Yeah. Well, we'll keep pushing for that because, um, well, to go back to the beginning of the article, really what we should be talking about are the top priorities, which I think many parents agree right now are safety, making sure our schools are safe for kids. Um, And let's separate that from school choice, please. Yes. Because I, I I hear chirpy voices in my head that are saying, well, this is part of school choice. This is where my kids are going to feel safe. Nope. I, we've got to separate that out. Yeah. This is, this is not a me, you, this is the commute communal problem that we're trying to solve and it's hard and it's complicated. Um, but it's good for us to be informed and we really encourage y'all to read this article. It was a good one. Share your thoughts with us. Um, let us know if there's another cool article you saw that, that we should keep in mind. Um, but the link yeah. is, will be on our episode description or is in our episode description. So you can find it there. Um, yes. if you somehow don't see that and that's too hard to find Texas Tribune and, you know, mm-hmm. search it up. And mm-hmm. I think you said the title, but maybe I'll say it again real quick, Claire. Texas Republicans are trying to sell choice measures, but rural conservatives aren't buying. So I bet a few of those keywords and that article will come right up. Yeah, good stuff. And listen to the rest of the series because there's so much to learn. Maybe we'll end up coming back to education once in a year. I mean, there's just a lot. And Oh, I think we're going to have to. Well, especially after the legislature meets. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.